Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Survive. 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 The midshipmen did not kill off our aspirations for the season. We are alive. By the skin of our teeth, we are alive. But luckily, luckily, everybody else in college football also just barely managed to survive. And the committee of AP voters and coaches alike have rewarded our Bearcats with a maintaining of the number two spot in the country and a in addition of the number two spot in the country from the coach's perspective. God dang it, it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. Indeed it is. The Bearcats escaped from Annapolis with a 27-20 victory. And I don't like putting a descriptor on it like the word escaped. Uh, it, it has a negative connotation to it. But I will say this. When you give up an onside kick in the final minute of the game, and the other team retains possession and has an opportunity to drive the length of the field, however unlikely that might be, and and when they have a chance to drive on that final possession to tie the game, that feels like a bit of an escape. And in this case, I do think, like you said, Hummer, we won the game, we moved forward, and for the first time that I can personally remember, we appear to have gotten the benefit of the doubt from AP voters, and from the coaches poll itself, which now has us at number two. We are at number two in both polls. We are still in prime position to play our way into the college football playoff and make history in the college football, in in NCAA college football. It's a big day. It's a great day. It's a wonderful day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. It is. I don't agree with you, though, when it comes to the words like escaped. Uh, for the negative connotation that it brings because it feels that way. Uh, this this game was one where, you know, my record has been tainted. It's sullied from a, a respectable 8-2 and two on picks involving the Bearcats this year. Uh, they've managed to almost bring me to slightly better than, you know, 8-6. and six. You know, Something like that. I don't know. They're, they didn't cover at all. They didn't cover the first quarter, the second quarter of the game. Uh, we hit the under, which I guess maybe that shouldn't have been a surprise, uh, you know, coming from you know knowing what we know about how Navy runs their game. But uh, there was n- no real warm and fuzzy feeling, even though the defense from a from a numbers perspective actually had a pretty good day. You know, I think it was like two point nine yards per carry. It's fantastic, but it didn't feel that way when you watched the game. It felt like Navy at points was just dominating our defense. It seemed like they were getting big chunks. They were converting on some of those fourth downs. We weren't getting them off the field the way we needed to, especially early in the game. So I am going to say use the word. We escaped with a victory here because in no way, shape, or form should this game have come down to Navy having the chance to tie the game with the, on the last possession. Should have never been remotely... A remote possibility. But here we are discussing it a day later that that is the reality is that they did have that opportunity. 
of course Navy shouldn't have had a chance to tie the game on the final possession. We, we know that. We should have gone into this game and won by a much more significant margin. I think it's important to note that the Bearcats went into the fourth quarter of that game with a 17-point lead. They were clearly in control of that game throughout, despite a slow start and the display, despite a very you know pedestrian at best uh, fourth quarter. I just think it's impossible to play Navy and leave the game feeling clean. Like they are going to make you feel dirty leaving a Navy game. That triple option, the fact that they barely throw the ball. In this game, I think they threw a season high 15 times just based on necessity, based on the fact that they were down 17 at the end of the game. But look, Humbert, this is a team, Navy, that is in the top top 10 in terms of turnovers. They don't turn the ball over. They had seven turnovers. I should say they had less than that. They had six turnovers on the season coming into the game. They don't throw the ball, which instantly negates one of our strengths defensively, which is Ahmad Gardner, Kobe Bryant. We, we love turning the ball over, and we, have, we are a top three team in the country with interceptions, entering the game with 11, now having 12. So instantly, matchup-wise, the way they play football puts us at a disadvantage in, being, in terms of being able to utilize the strength of our defense. That defense and those turnovers also usually put our offense in shorter fields. And this offense, while talented, while athletic, while explosive, one thing they have not been is, is consistent in their ability to put together 80-yard drive after 80-yard drive after 80-yard drive. That's not something that they do. Um, for whatever reason, play calling, Des Ritter's accuracy, drops, you name it. There's always been a reason why they're not the most consistent of offenses. That also worked against us and wasn't in our favor. Um, so, look, I just think there's a few things that we need to consider and need to ha- you know, keep in perspective as to why this was a more challenging game. It should have been a 17, 20, 24-point victory. I don't think covering was in order here. Uh, I think we missed the mark on that, not realizing and maybe not putting putting the equation together as to what Navy brings to the table. But all in all, I am happy to be leaving with a victory, and I'm happy that we're still number two in the country. It's good news. Look, all right, I'll give you the last two points. I'm happy for the victory. I'm happy for the, the keeping the number two rank ranking. Everything else you said is completely wrong. <laughs> it is wrong. It's not. They were they're we, factually accurate. They're look, accurate we should, statements. Look, we were actually on pace. So I'm sitting here texting my brother because this, this is all my fault, actually, because I got on you about not actually putting hard dollars on the game to keep our, our fictional units in play. And I broke I broke that advice I gave to you, and I put money on the Bearcats covering in in this elaborate three-team parlay that would have had a handsome reward had it paid out, and they blew it right from the get-go. But there was a point where actually, at the beginning of the third quarter, we score, Navy's held scoreless, and if we go on and we, we, we score two more touchdowns, we actually would have covered. It was in the cards. This game was something that we could have done. We had penalties, especially offsides penalties, that just stalled drives. The turnover at the in the first half, the the pick in the end zone or near the near the three yard line by Des Ritter on a drive that had momentum. There's a lot of stuff today that that game that just it just that's what it's it's what scares you. It's like teams have kind of figured out that one of our weaknesses is is our offensive line likes to jump off sides whenever the defense moves around. Like, that's just what they do. We jump off sides, and it's a, it's a staller. 
But to say, like, Navy, like, oh, we shouldn't have expected to beat them. Like, they've always run a triple option. It's what they do. And we beat them, like, yeah, granted, this is 2018, but we weren't even that good of a team. We beat them 42 to nothing. There's other teams that were, beat, oh, were putting but... up 40 points against them. We can, we're saying we can't, number two team in the country, with I'm Des not Ritter. I'm we can't. I'm simply saying. With Jerome Ford, Alec Pierce. No, it's a team that makes you uncomfortable. They make everybody uncomfortable because of their style. They are number four in the country in time of possession. They run the ball again and again and again and again, and they play keep away. It's why we made the strange decision in the first half, and it's, it's, it, maybe it's strange, maybe it's not. We made the decision in the first half to receive the opening kickoff because of how much time Navy can chew up with their offense. And we, I think we ended up forcing them into like 7 of 21 on third downs, but they thrived on fourth down, so it, it kind of negated our success on third down defense. Look, when you combine the time of possession and you combine their, their limited attempts at throwing the ball and the fact that they don't turn the ball over and the fact that that naturally went against or counter to what our defense really thrives at. I'm just saying there were elements of this game and what Navy actually does as a team that it makes sense why we didn't absolutely destroy them. Now, there were plenty of critiques one can have about our performance. I think, you know, I think we were quoted as saying this was an objectively terrible performance after the game because it was like we we did plenty of things that held us up and and we didn't do well but there were other components of this navy team that are specific to just them and we simply won't have the problem of with other teams we face down the line i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not buying the excuse there because when i look at navy's schedule and who they played in the results every team has put up more points than the bearcats against navy except one and that was air force Marshall, 49 points. Houston, 28 points. UCF, 30 points. SMU, 31. Memphis, 37. We gave up 20. Our defense didn't... I, I just wasn't happy with it. To say that we shouldn't... like Oh, we, we should be accepting the results because of how Navy plays. No, we had the opportunity for this to be a blowout. We just didn't convert. We didn't execute. That's what I'm saying is this is on us for not getting the job taken care of because we had the opportunities to do it. We had crucial crucial offsides penalties or false starts that once again stalled drives we had a crucial des redder pick at the three yard line it was just there was some opportunities that we had and we didn't take advantage of it and i'm not going to sit here and say well it's yeah it's a triple option we're on the road blah 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 we didn't execute that's the issue the good news is the good we won the is, game we they won the game Look, they won the game, but I'm not going to sit here and just pretend like this was not like a little bit of a maybe hopefully is a wake-up call for these guys. Like, we got to be better. We have to be better than that, and we can't allow – we can't have another result another result like this. And that, that benefit of the doubt, that goodwill probably does start to disappear because at the end of the day, this is the AP and the college coaches poll we're talking about. This isn't a committee, and we know they're probably a little less forgiving than what, what the AP voters are right now. No doubt. No doubt. We need to we do need to be better. There's plenty of things we can pick apart from the Bearcats perspective as to why. How, how do we say it? Like why why things have to look different against Tulane, Tulsa, Houston, SMU. I guess I, I just wanted to open with that to kind of offer and just some level of explainer as to why 
like what what is Navy doing that made things look so different than they had in past weeks? And I just think the fact that we couldn't be we couldn't force them into short fields or we couldn't give our offense short fields. The fact that um, let, let let's talk about this first off. I think you brought up an interesting point about teams lighting up Navy and the fact that we struggled to score. Let's talk about our offensive woes in this game, where they start, who contributed to them. Is it is it a red flag for the season going forward? Where do you want to start on the offensive side of the ball? Who who are we starting with, Hummer? Look, it's easy. This it's an easy scapegoat, right? It's always easy. The guy behind center, he's the leader of the team. Des Ritter just wasn't he wasn't as sharp as you as we've seen him in the previous games. And and it actually came out like a lot of those slow starts that we have. You know, that, that's kind of where you, you see, I feel like it starts to begin, is that Ritter isn't coming out, he's not sharp, he's missing maybe some of these shorter passes, you know, some of the screen type of throws, and, you know, we're, we're just not, we're not converting on those plays. And like I, like I said, we don't, ex- well, I haven't said this yet, but we don't expect him to go, you know, 10 for 10 on passes over 30 yards. Like, yeah, you're going to miss some of those. That's just the nature of the game. But he's he was he was pretty inaccurate at the beginning of this game, and it got us off to that slow start. And we know that this... This team kind of does, in a way, the offense lives or dies with Desmond Ritter. And the other thing I wasn't really too happy to see is, or uh, I'm going to take this where I think it really rises, Dembrock. His play calling, like we look like we're like for as much as Navy, we joke that they're running a triple option, a high school, a high school offense. We're running a smash mouth up the up the middle run every game, every every run. We have Jerome Ford, one of the fastest players in college college football, at least by our own. Uh, own measurements, you know, by our own measurements, one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Uh, but we know we were beating off, beating them off the edge all game, and we still kept running the ball up the gut. Like we just didn't seem like we were opening up the playbook enough, and we were just being really vanilla and basic with what they were doing on offense. And I think that re- resides with with Dembrock and the play calling. And it's kind of we've been seeing it all year. We've kind of had this little of like, okay, but it's working. But it's like, okay, why are, why are we doing this? Why are we making these predictable? It's third and three. We have Jerome Ford lined up in a power formation, and we're going to run it. Up, we're going to run it up the gut when we know they've been stopping it routinely this game. And you know, so I, I would have liked to seen a little more. That's not the right word. It's not because we bitch about being gimmicky, but you know, let's get some fizzaz into the offense. Let's run some different. Let's get a little little variety in what we're what we're running, what we're calling. A lot was said there. So you mentioned Dez Sorry. and you mentioned Dan Brock. <laughs> I think I want to. I know. The list. Let's <laughs> let's start. I'll I'll stay on the Denbrock thing, because I actually think that's I start more with Denbrock than I do Des. Though I think there are criticisms of Des. To have I feel like I should have started. I that, feel I do feel like I should have started with Denbrock first. So right. So we're work we're top down. We're going to start with Denbrock, and we're going to also start this with the caveat of neither of us are football guys, but we have watched enough football and we've watched this team enough to know that you should be getting more out of the talent on our offense against a team like Navy that is not some defensive stalwart. The biggest thing to me, you have so much speed and talent on our offense, and we managed to really never get guys like Jerome Ford or Trey Tucker or Tyler Scott. Why aren't we getting these guys in space more to beat Navy on the outside? Like I think if you're if you're running it up the middle, Navy seemed pretty formidable in terms of being able to fill a hole and hold Jerome Ford to four yards, five yards of carry, which 
when you're facing Jerome Ford is a success. They they did a good job with that, but it's like why why is Trey Tucker only getting one touch in a game like this when he's easily one of the most explosive athletes on the field? Why why aren't we trying to 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 take more ambitious shots to Tyler Scott? Some of this could be attributable to like Dez just didn't have it today. Dez was only 18 of 30. He he was just off the mark early and often. His accuracy was limited, but that's where it seems like we have the ability to to kind of rein the offense in and say, okay, well, if, if Dez's arm is not as reliable as it usually is and he's not hitting the mark on his throws, how are we, how are we simplifying things to take advantage of the athletes we have on offense? Because we do have plenty. We've got lots of options there. Uh, we finally got to see Josh Wiley get it going in this game of four catches for 60 yards and two touchdowns. But it just seemed it just seemed like like three and out was, was there was just these third down calls that were just brutal and just stagnant and and not creative. I think I think that's the descriptor you used. There was really no creativity in this game in terms of how we approached offense. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's is it fair to, to completely go after Des? Probably not. At the end of the day, you know, the players are the ones executing on the field, but when when you do have a guy as dynamic as as Jerome Ford, you need to use him. You need to get him in space. And honestly, it's you see, Dez, Dez was uh was five for six on rushes with a long of six. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it, it's he he needs to be involved more with the run game as well. And that's something that we've we've been saying for you know a while. And they need to find a way to get his legs involved because we know what happens when that does. Because look for for what teams are doing to us, they're dropping eight guys back in the coverage, right? That's that's basically what we're starting to see. So Des when he is making some of these throws, they're incredible because he's throwing into a lot of traffic. But Des when he does make those mistakes, it leads to turnovers, which is fine because he's not like a turnover machine. It's not like we're saying Des actually has an issue with turning the ball over. He doesn't. But I think some of those things that we saw today, I think Navy just kind of picked apart some of our game game plan, or maybe they were just the right team to expose some of the weaknesses because we saw this against Murray State kind of in the beginning when we were when we were slow to start off with them as well. They were they were getting some big rushes on us early. They were able to pick apart uh, the short passes until you know they realized that we have three of the best cornerbacks in college football. Um, you know, and so th- I think that was part of the issue is that they were literally, they just attacked where our weak spot is, which is run defense to a certain extent. But then I'm going to give the defense the credit they do deserve for this game. And that is when Navy actually had to open the ball up, when they actually had to start throwing it, because that was the only way they were going to win. We immediately exposed them and we immediately showed how good that defense is by intercepting them on what third down uh, in the on, on their game winning quote unquote attempt uh, at at winning the game we 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 forced them into a turnover so look the defense is good so I'm not we're still not that worried at the defense are we happy with twenty points not really but you know eh. we won <laughs> we de- won <laughs> well the defense I don't think the defense was the problem in this game at all again like I I'm not gonna like, yeah don't there's not too much to praise over shutting down shutting down Navy's final possession when Navy's forced to throw the ball and they simply can't do that. That's not in their arsenal. They're not going to beat our guys consistently. And if they had thrown the ball more, it's turnover city and we win by 30 points. Um, we may have lost Des that game, rushing, though. We may have lost that game. I was thinking about this. 
had Navy actually not gone for a few, like a couple of those fourth and fours, or like fourth and ones that we stuffed them on for turnovers for a short, or basically not a turnover on downs for a short field for us, had they punted and made us have to keep driving 80, 75, 80 yards, I'm actually now concerned that this isn't a W for the Bearcats. I'm concerned that we don't go down and score a couple touchdowns and that we end up losing this game because we were so inconsistent on a being on being able to sustain long drives. The sustaining long long drives thing is is real. If you think back to Notre Dame, UMB Fox made fun of me for for what I, the point I was trying to make. At the time, it was really just pointing out that we had like three, four explosive drives in that game, and the rest of them were nothing. That does sum up the Bearcats. We 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 thrive in these short yardage opportunities that our defense regularly puts us in. We have one of the best, I think, top 10 in turnover margin in the country. Again, we're top three in the country in interceptions. Our defense leads to easy short field opportunities for our offense. That's okay. But in a game like this where they didn't come and, and those opportunities didn't come, I think you saw that our offense, while explosive, isn't necessarily consistent. So, yes, we're going to get the, the occasional Jerome Ford 70-yard run, 40-yard run. We're going to get the long strike to Alec Pierce. We're going to get Trey Tucker beating a man and, and you know, maybe like a, a quick end around for, for 30 yards or so. We're going to see Tyler Scott uh, go, for, go for 40, 50, 60 yards for a reception. But when it comes to just executing short, intermediate passing game and, and, and runnings, running plays, we, for some reason, haven't been able to string those together this season when in re- like coming into the year, that's what I always thought of as our forte. I thought of that as our strength. Des Ritter, his running game, that was something coming into the season where you hear comparisons to, to the likes of Col- uh, Colin Kaepernick, which I would have called erroneous at the time. Um, he has 124 rushing yards on the season. Again, Des Ritter has 124 rushing yards on the season in seven games. 42 rushes. That's three yards a carry. Three touchdowns. Since the Notre Dame game, he's carried the ball three times, four times, and five times for six, 14, and six yards. He's not running the ball effectively. That seems like, that seems like now, a problem to me. That seems like a problem to me. It, is it intentional? Is it an intentional safety play? Like, we're just going to keep this guy healthy. We don't want him taking hits by any means necessary. We're going to win these games despite him not running. That There's probably an element of that. I don't know. It's 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 his final season and we can run him eight to 12 times a game. Right. Like that's not too much. I would imagine his most he carried against Indiana 10 times. He carried against Notre Dame 10 times. He's never reached 10 in any other game. To me, that reeks of we know that we're playing inferior competition and we don't want Des taking extra hits. I respect that to a point, but it's got to be more than three, four and five opportunities in a game. And it's got to be more of a focus. That is an explosive element of our offense. And when threatened with it, I feel like it makes the passing game that much easier. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you there. I think you're 100% right. The good news is, like, let's focus on on the good news here. Because, look, this game isn't this isn't a microcosm for the season. Overall, you know, this is game number seven. The six prior games, yeah, have we had our issues. But we've all, we've come to end up dominating the competition that we're playing, even Notre Dame, like that was a game where we knew from the very beginning that it kind of felt like this was ours to win. It just we never felt that neither uh, Notre Dame was making an actual comeback on us, or we were getting that that worried. 
uh, Indiana, we started off down, but when we come back, we end up winning by two touchdowns. So it's like we've had an objectively a very great season. I don't think this is a microcosm. What I'm hoping this is is kind of a wake up call that hey guys, you know, don't we can't play down to the competition. We have to keep going out and playing Bearcat football. You know, Black Cats need to continue to be a thing. Go out there, wreck havoc. And hopefully this was just because it was a triple option and we haven't seen it. And they only spent maybe a week or two practicing for it. You know, maybe, hopefully that's what it is. And this is just a, a blimp on the radar. Uh, we come back with Tulane next week. Tulane next week. And let's let's remember that on that note, on that positive note, on the fact that we never were really close to losing this game, the win probability for the Bearcats bottomed out in this game at 81.9%. And that was in the second quarter. 50 seconds left even when we were navy even when we were losing (laughs) well and that's when it was 10 to 10 navy's driving they might kick a field goal to go up 13 to 10 and then things went horribly wrong they they have two negative plays uh we block the kick deshaun pace takes it down the field and we kick the 52 yard field goal um to take the lead into halftime so again we were never in jeopardy of losing this game yes navy did have a final possession yes they did recover the onside kick but was it ever actually likely that they would somehow find a way to win this game? No. 27 to 20 looks too close. It was too close. We never were able to put our, our foot on their neck. But all in all, we move on. We don't have to play a team like this again the rest of the season. And, 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 and in all honesty, I expect that to – that's going to be to our advantage. We're just going to eat up any other team that plays a more standard style of football. Well, it's also, I mean, look, we got some stuff to look forward to. Next week is a big week, uh, not just because we're playing Tulane. And, you know, that, once again, we're going to probably see a spread that, that starts with a two uh, with something like an eight next to it. You know, we're going to be expected to win by four four or more touchdowns. Uh, that's fine. SMU, also big winners this week. They moved up in the coaches' poll to 16, moved up to 19. They're on track. If they keep doing what they're doing, that's a potential 15 top 15 matchup that we can see the Bearcat at the end of the season. Also, I don't want to I don't want to overlook Houston either. Houston is starting to get some votes. They're on the right outside the top 25. They also have a matchup with SMU coming up. Yeah, you know, so as long as I'm kind of I am going to root for SMU to remain undefeated. I want to see Houston then continue on winning and then we, we will have that final matchup with Houston in the AC, AAC championship game. And so we do have a pretty a nice way to finish the season. Because at the end of the day, this is great that this mid-season blip happened mid-season. College football is all about, college sports in general for the most part, are all about what have you done for me lately. That's been a problem they've been trying to rectify ever since. That's what the net the net rankings in basketball are all about, is trying to keep it, you know, that a game in January means just as much as a game in February, you know. So that's what we get to look forward to. We have strong games at the back end of the schedule. We can do it. But next weekend, we also have Michigan and Michigan State playing in the Big Ten. One of those schools will come out with a loss. We'll get a little bit clearer of a picture. We also have an opportunity. I heard we don't talk about them enough. Okay? I heard we don't. I heard Cincinnati Sports Radio doesn't talk about OSU enough. So here you go. You get your one dose of OSU right now. At home. Penn State. Look, that's a big game for Bearcat fans. Penn State comes in there, upsets Ohio State, knock them right out of the playoff contention. The door, the door's wide open for us. Look, is there a better time to be alive than right now, as a as a Bearcat basketball uh, football fan? <laughs> <laughs> the 
There's not. There's well, I, I would argue that it's just one of the reasons that that we have infinite happiness is just being a Cincinnati Bearcat. Uh, it brings you joy, and just and that's even during tough times. I think we we sh- I would be remiss to not mention a few of the good things that happened in this game, and we briefly alluded to it. But Josh Wiley, back, back in the fold. Two touchdown games, sixty yards, four four catches. It would be a nice development for the safety blanket that is Josh Wiley to be reactivated for Des Ritter. He's enormous. He's an absolutely enormous target for Ritter. He's a touchdown threat on every play. Um, he's very tough to bring down. I think that would be a nice development moving forward to see him getting back into the fold amongst all of the other weapons that we see on this offense, game in, game out. I think you got that. That's a good. That's a good point. We've already talked about the defense ending on a strong note when they when they decided to try to win the game by beating our our biggest strength. But we also had a, a an odd development. Uh, we had an injury injury alert. Our kicker was injured, so we brought in freshman. Freshman kicker comes in, does the deed, hits a long for thirty two, hits three extra points. And then Bales comes in and just wasn't pretty, but he nailed a fifty-two yarder. Specialist, kickoff specialist, the kickoff nailed specialist a fifty-two yarder and bangs in a fifty-two. Yeah, that was that was amazing. <laughs> um, let's let's put a name to the freshman kicker. Uh, give him his proper due. Christian Lowry is is the freshman who stepped in, knocked through a uh, what was it a thirty-two yard field goal. Like you mentioned, he's got a few extra points under his belt now. And then that Alex Bales fifty-two yarder was some sort of like weird knuckle curve like it just it it didn't have the proper rotation on it it looked a little bit funky but went straight through the uprights and accounted for three points all the same and and frankly if we think about it uh we've known that the kicking game could have been has been a sore spot for the bearcats we've kind of all maybe been wondering if when when was it going to rear its ugly head and, and be an issue this game set up that it could have been an issue but they came through. They executed six points. It's a seven-point victory instead of a one-point victory. <laughs> that's a great point. No, that's a that's a dead serious good point that the kicker was a major issue for us all season. Cole Smith has been struggling mightily all season, and in a game where things seemed more tenuous than they have the entire season, kicking would certainly come into play. A missed field goal here, a missed field goal there. Like, the, the tension that the team would feel would skyrocket after that. If the freshman kicker comes in and shanks the field goal, or if we get the block kick at the end of the first half from Navy and we come back and miss the field goal and go in 10 to 10, like there's all these small little moments where if they play out differently, we could have seen a much different result, a lot more panic, a lot more tension. So yeah, kudos to Lowry, kudos to Bales, uh, huge, contributions from them on a day where maybe they weren't expecting them to play a huge role. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Blocking the field goal pace. What just barely by an inch steps out of bounds on what probably could have been a run back for a touchdown. And I'm just like, Oh shoot. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't bring yeah. warm and fuzzies when you know you're kicking a 50 yard field goal because of our history of kicking. So when he made it, you know, it does, it kind of lets you breathe a little bit of a, a relief that we went into halftime with that lead. So 
yeah, you can't under understate the uh, the performance of the of the kicking squad there, being able to put it together. And also kudos kudos on Fickle and staff for, you know, I guess in this case having the balls. No pun intended, you know, going out there and kicking kicking some balls with two different kickers. Uh, basically saying, you know what, you're going to be our short specialist. You're going to come in. You, you know, you you can kick the ball through the end, <laughs> through the back of the end zone and kick off. I just need you to do the same thing here, uh, with a three step drop back instead of a instead of a seven. Um, that was good. Another thing that was kind of a little worrisome. What happened on that actual last onside kick? We weren't even going for the ball. It looks like every every hands team didn't seem to be out there. It was just, uh, we're just going to go block guys, not actually go for the ball. Like I didn't see one Bearcat with hands up trying to get the ball. It looked like we got a bit fooled on that onside kick. So I'm sure the takeaway here is, yo, yo, we actually have to go pursue the ball and try and put hands on it uh, to retain yeah. possession. Because that was, that was brutal. Like it, it wasn't even a question. I guess the only debate was whether Navy touched the ball early. But Navy could have waited another three yards and no Bearcat seemed ready to actually touch the ball. So uh, that was completely botched, completely mismanaged. Our From a defensive standpoint, you look at the stat sheet, our linebackers got a hell of a workout in this game. Uh, DeBlanco led the team, 15 tackles. Beavers, another 14 tackles. Those guys had their work cut out for them. Pace, nine tackles. Uh, and then the big man in the middle, Curtis Brooks, I think had 10 tackles himself, which for a defensive tackle, is is a really high total in, in a game. So you could just see the the game played out in, in such an interesting way. Uh, I, I'm glad we don't have to play Navy again this season. It's it's not a fun game to watch. It's, Hopefully you know, we don't have to play them ever again. Well, maybe next season, right? There's a chance we wouldn't, but we would play them next season, I imagine. Last time we played them was 2018, so maybe we don't. <laughs> Could, yeah, could be our last visit to Annapolis, in which case, you know, it, it looked nice. B. Fox's photos look nice. Looks like a nice place to visit. Um, any final thoughts here on this on this Navy matchup against uh, a team that is now 1-6 and six, and the Bearcats uh, get away with that 27-20 victory? No, at the end, like I said, I think the key is well, hopefully this is a wake-up wake up call for the guys. You know, we need to execute better. We got to stop getting fooled. The offensive line needs to be more disciplined. We cannot keep having stalled drives due to basically, I'm going to call them forced offsides penalties from defensive lines shifting, causing our, our guys to go to, to move early. We can't have that anymore. Those, those are killing us. Uh, and those are a couple the kicking game and that are the two things that can really ugly. We saw, we actually saw offside penalties kill us in the biggest game last year against Georgia. That routinely killed us when when Metz comes in, you know, replacing Hudson, and he routinely keeps going offsides throughout that game. We see what that can do to you in those big moments. We need to get that under control. That needs to stop. Those are those penalties that you can't, you just can't do it. It's unacceptable. So those, those are kind of my takeaways. Yeah. Other than that, you know, we just gotta keep chugging along. Get 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 back to get back to business. Bearcats had 11 penalties for 93 yards. Navy had three penalties for 25 yards. That's quite the discrepancy. But nonetheless, there were some Look, obvious penalties. If they weren't, if they like, weren't like getting my called. My J jumping off sides on fourth down was was, was brutal. And he, he's made that mistake a few times. It's just you, you have to wait. You have to be more disciplined that, than that. It's, a, it's honestly, it's one of those, those losses that if you're a coach, it's a cliche. But you're, just, you're going back and you're saying, we needed one of these. 
we needed a close call or a game where we played sloppy and we're clearly we underperformed. We only beat Navy by seven. You go back to practice, guys are locked in and ready to actually, you know, ready to to just absolutely pummel Tulane. Poor Tulane. You don't, Poor yeah, Tulane. you you don't want to be Tulane next week. Like you don't. Okay. Um, granted, Tennessee held Alabama close because everybody thought you didn't really want to be Tennessee either, uh, or you know, or you know. Alabama, you just don't want to be the next team who who does that. At the end of the day, here's what matters. Teams came out this week that had close games, and not every team won those close games. Penn State lost to lowly Illinois in a nine-overtime debacle, which people were kind of saying, like, I like that overtime. I think it's going to benefit us. If we get to a national championship game, it happens to be overtime. I'll take the Bearcats on scoring two-point conversions all day long. I love it. Um, maybe just because it only it only benefits me in my in, our, in my opinion here. Um, but then you saw you saw Oklahoma struggle mightily against Kansas, who is basically the UConn uh, of the Big Twelve, just absolutely horrendous team, terrible, and they kept the Oklahoma Sooners close. Uh, it was a one touchdown game, a one point game, or one score game between Al- mighty Alabama and Tennessee. Everybody struggles. It happens. You just got to go out there and get the W. At the end of the day, the Cats got the W. On to the next. On the Tulane. Let's rock and roll. A lot of other teams' bad performances result in L's, and ours did not. I'm happy because of that. Um, for an update on our next three opponents, I know we said that the, the next four opponents had a combined record of 6-20 and 20 heading into this week. Our new update, Tulane, Tulsa, USF, triple header, the combined record is now six and fifteen, so uh, not not quite the buzz saw. But then it, you know we obviously have have SMU at home after that, and then wind out the season at a, at ECU, and then the conference championship game should be a fun ride, Hummer. I don't want to drag this on too long because you are traveling this week. We are recording a little differently. You need to go celebrate this uh, tremendous Cincinnati Bengals victory over the Baltimore Ravens with your family. Uh, yeah, I know we're I know we're I know we're not a Bengals podcast, but I'm going to dedicate two minutes to them right now. All right, go ahead. We it's got yours. some. I think we got something special here. You got Joey Burrow. If you watch this man on the sidelines, just give, give him a watch on the sidelines, and then go watch Tom Brady. I call him the Brady eyes. I don't know what these eyes are. They're scary. If I were the, whenever you see Brady, like fourth quarter, two minutes left, Brady's getting the ball back, and all he has to do is score a touchdown. He gets these eyes. He gets this magical look in his eye where you're just like, "Ah, that guy's gonna go do it. That guy's gonna go score. That guy's gonna lead his team to victory." Joe Burrow has that look in him where he's like, "You know what? I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna score. I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna take this team to the next level. I'm gonna go and do this. Love it." Chase, holy hell, amazing! Um, he, he's a freak show. Freak. He's a freak show. Absolute freak. Um, wow, that was fun. I'm glad all of him my. Today. I'm glad all of my takes about his hands were off the record. Never, <laughs> never actually on the record. Um, no, he's he's absolutely remarkable as an athlete, as a route runner, as a as as a guy who can just get the ball in his hands and be explosive. He's fun to watch. Joe Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. They've completely revamped the culture of the Bengals. I'm not a Bengals guy myself. I'm not much of a like NFL guy in general, but he has completely revamped 
the culture of that team. They are they're likable. They have a much more like they just seem like winners now. Joe Burrow just is a is a freaking winner and makes the Bengals extremely compelling and, and trustworthy. Like you actually think they're going to go out there and get it done now. That's it's, different. That feels different for the Bengals. It's weird. So, yeah, I was talking about the bet. I definitely put some money down on the Bearcats this, this week. It didn't turn out well. But part of that parlay involved needing an Oklahoma State, I guess technically an upset at Iowa State, uh, which didn't happen, but whatever. Don't want to get into the controversy there. So you were, over, you, were, you were one for three on your parlay? It was one for three on the parlay, well, and that was the Bengals' money line. Well done. But I hedged and did the Bengals' money line solo as well. We hit. Okay. The, I felt I felt confident enough in the Bengals that like I'm gonna just you know what there this is a sure thing we're walking in to Baltimore we're walking there we're walking in and we're coming out with the W and that has been cool. a long time since I felt comfortable like just being like all right yeah this one's this one's a lock. Well, I'm going to cut you off your Bengals talk there. Fair that's enough. About the extent of what I what I can do, I'm going to go unwind uh, with Succession. I am going to go watch Logan Roy uh, fend off his his belligerent uh, yet somehow charming son Kendall Roy, and we'll see how that goes. But murderous, been, murderous, murderous Kendall. Whoa! Spoiler alert. If you it's haven't been, been keep, keeping up with it, get out of here. <laughs> if you're not past season two uh, yet, know. you know what. Yeah. Done. Don't listen to this. Don't listen to the end of this podcast for the rest of it. Turn it off as soon as we say succession because there will be spoiler alerts. It may have turned it off once we said Bengals. But nonetheless, Hummer, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. Get back to your family. We'll touch base later this week on a little bit more football, maybe a little bit more of a robust conversation on that. Uh, maybe have a little little councilman, little Sam Antics, a little bit of a uh, little bit of hoops talk later this week. We'll be back at it. Sounds good. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.